0: what's up y'all welcome to life in commune for all of our listeners out there on spotify and apple thank you so much for tuning in make sure to come practice with us www.communeyogastudio.com. we have three new classes coming your way every single day and please rate the podcast it really helps us out helps us get our message out there to more people so thank you so much for being part of the vibe and let's get into this week's episode All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Q&A podcast. Here with us today is Patrick, Kim, CJ, and Shelby. And of course, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot of fun stuff to get to in this week's episode. Uh, Starting off with the warm-up question. Are y'all ready for it? This is the only one y'all haven't heard before. What is one food item that you could eat at any time of the day? For you, one one thing. You could eat no matter what. You'd be like, yeah, I could eat that. Like, you could eat it, you know, at 6 a.m. You could eat it at 6 p.m. You could eat it at midnight. What's, for you, one thing you could always have? An egg. An egg. Really?
1: I could have an egg all day, any day.
0: Yeah, you just that would just be Morning, a vibe.
1: Yeah. Morning, noon, and dinner. All right. Mm. Wow. And protein gains. <laughs> <laughs> Siege?
2: Um, I would say... I that I really didn't know what I was gonna say for this question, but the thing that comes to my mind, to be honest, that I eat all the time, and it doesn't really matter what time of day it is, is a banana.
0: A banana. That's a good one. Really? Yeah.
2: Straight. I can eat it at morning, midday, evening. You could maybe blend. Blend them yeah, up
0: into a smoothie with a little with a little nut butter.
2: Absolutely, especially mm-hmm. if that was a long day. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: What's yours?
3: Well, I love to bake. Yeah. And so for me, it's any kind of goodie. Yeah. So,
0: so, is there anyone in particular, though? Just, mm, just one of the moment?
3: Mm, I would say, oh, one of the moment, I'd say cake.
0: Cake. You could have cake at any time. I like mm, that. That's Cause... how
3: I keep the curvation. <laughs>
0: Mine, um, mine's kind of in the similar theme, so it must run in the bloodline. But mine is a chocolate chip cookie. I think you could have chocolate chip cookie like no matter what. Like I could start the day with it. I could end the day with it. I could have it before lunch, after lunch. You know, you could just kind of be part of your mix. So mm-hmm. that that is that is mine. Um, all right. Well, we're we're in and out of the intro question today. I hope that got your minds you know flowing. Speaking of the first question, we're going to hop on to today uh, for all of our. Uh, viewers and listeners out there who make their own classes, make their own content. One question that came in is any tips on filming classes and not sounding like you're going to die or pass out during filming or afterwards? So what are some things that y'all think about or things that have kind of come, you know, that you've developed let's say over the last year of you know, teaching under the lights? It's kind of funny because we were talking about this right before mm. <laughs> right before we began the pod. You
2: know. Okay. Um, I would say uh, kind of just re- repetitions. The more that we were doing it, I think it's a different sense of butterflies, I think, too. So you start to think about uh, things a lot more. When I noticed when I first started teaching Under under the Lights. And um, it took me a little bit time to settle in, but honestly, it was just repetition. I got a little bit better watch, watch your videos back, um, get that instant feedback. Cause the film definitely doesn't lie about <laughs> what you're doing. Um, and so I, I would think that would be a good start and don't put too much pressure on it because you're always going to be growing and evolving. So, um, do what you can with what you have. And I think the rep, the more you can teach, like keep practicing, you'll get better.
1: Nice. Encouraging breath pauses, uh, because, as much as you guys may need it at home, we do as well. (laughs) Like that moment of pause, like I need to drop to my knees, take five breaths here. That's probably what I've learned. It's like, let's just take a moment. You're taking that five for you. Yeah, I'm taking that five for me because I'm like losing my breath currently. So um, I'd say taking a pause, taking breaths is very, very helpful uh, throughout. That's a normal, any class, but very much uh, for online as well.
3: Same for me. I would say that um, find or four poses that you can take breaths so it's not always down dog um i think coming into especially after a vigorous standing series coming into a tadasana and closing your eyes and even taking three breaths is uh nice but it's that pause to breathe and let yourself catch up that would be mindful. Maybe a casual
1: walk also every now and then. I've been walking a lot more maybe to get my cardio up. And
2: and also sometimes the shit's hard. So, yeah, I'm breathing hard. So, like, sometimes you got to own that. That's one of the
0: things I was going to say. Like, I wouldn't (laughs) feel ashamed about... Like sweating it out or being, you know, short on look at my, short on breath.
2: Look at my mat after every class I teach. <laughs> your mat, look rich. at your T, dude. That's, yeah. that's a visual evidence <laughs> for every, every
0: practitioner out there. Uh, absolutely. Uh, th- this is a lesson that I think I really learned um, back when I was creating more strength-based practices uh, for aloe moves, which was when I was doing full-body strength. I wasn't marking anything. I was literally doing those workouts and talking through them at the same time, and uh, practicing them beforehand was really helpful because it gave me a little bit of knowledge as to like this, the space I could find within all of the madness or like places where my natural ability, like my natural strength, the amount of strength that had in my body at that time, uh, let me feel comfortable. Like, like, so while that, that movement may have been really challenging for some people, I knew for me that was actually a place I could like, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of gather some steam, if you will, or recharge my battery. Uh, and again, like not being scared to sweat it out, not being scared, especially if it's a specific moment in class where it's supposed to be hard. Like really embrace that. If you're out there with the people, you're demonstrating, you're on video. Again, whether someone in your class or you're by yourself, like it's okay to to be human. I think that's one of the uh, wonderful things about this practice is that it's always a practice, whether you're teaching or you're a student. It's not a perfection. It's not a performance. It's really an informance, and so. Uh, the more that you can kind of get out of the headspace of finding the need to be perfect and really come into a place where you're sharing something that is authentic, I think more people connect with that. And then I also think that um, you begin to, you know, find different sequences that work for you. And those sequences, will you'll just get more and more used to your breath cadence there. Uh, one question we actually get a lot in TT is like, how do I breathe and teach at the same time? And you always want to remember uh, that you're, when you're teaching and demonstrating, it is not your practice time. That is not the time when you're trying to get your ujjayi on. That is not the time when you're trying to get your pranayama in. That is the time when you teaching so you're a visual aid to the student and i think that you're creating you're part of creating the experience but that doesn't necessarily mean you're in the experience in terms of your breath i think sometimes people really get that kind of confused so that's, those, a,
3: good, that's a really good point yeah <laughs> I, I, I just think
0: people get you know kind of wrapped up in like oh if i'm like inhale warrior two and they take that big inhale and I think for me, if I'm doing that in my own teaching, I'm doing that for the effect of it or to try and remind students to breathe there because it's their practice, it's not my practice. And so I think that's one thing that's really, really helpful um, along the way. But also just remember that kind of what you said, Siege, is like you can build up to stuff. You know, I don't think you need to feel that everything is, you know, like, oh, I can do a thousand sun salutations in a row, no big deal. Like you you can't right now, and that's okay. Build up to it over time, uh, and as you get used to being on camera more, um, you know things become a bit easier. I mean, for you three, you, you, none of you filmed, you know, a, a year ago today, mm-hmm. th- these three <clears throat> zero online classes filmed zero, zero. video, zero video <laughs> classes. So, what's that journey been like? Do you, like, what what type of things do you remember from, let's say, let's say month two because month one was just like it was probably a wash probably like it was a (laughs) race some of those moments from our mind but like hey we're in the swing of things from month two to now what type of things do you notice that are different?
2: Uh, I would say the biggest thing for me is um, a lot of the times we'll have each other to practice with but sometimes we'll just be by ourselves and when you really are by yourself you I started to really enjoy the freedom to create and to be me and To understand what I have to offer is such a unique experience as everyone does and that really just took pressure off everything for me so this starting to really focus in on kind of how I want to teach and and I think it's taken a while and it's still continuing and it will continue to grow but I think the more that you're able to have this space to you again be isolated you really dive into okay what do i want to offer and what do i want um i I think i just more a little bit more intentional than not saying i wasn't in in studio classes by any means but i could definitely be you have other energies i could i think one of the
0: things that you're really good at in a studio class is reading the room And Mm -hmm. teaching to the room. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden the room's not there. So you're reading yourself. So that's a completely different read.
2: And so I would get caught into taking a class from Shelby or you or Kim or Carling and catch myself maybe trying to emulate instead of being more myself, I guess, if that makes sense, because, okay, where's my inspiration now? Because I I do pull a lot from the studio. So it was starting to really allow me to be more open to, oh, hey, I have a lot of control into what I want to offer. And the more authentic we all can be, I think it's a better experience.
1: I think playing off the authenticity, uh, the more that you get used to doing this, the more, I guess, the less pressure that you feel. Because we do daily classes now, Mm -hmm. so the stuff doesn't stick around for forever, which I think eliminates (laughs) a lot of the pressure of having Mm -hmm. to feel like you need to be perfect. And I think that's helped me tremendously because there's this perception that when you're on this film, like, you have to be great and perfect and like people are watching you and you don't know who's watching you. You don't know what's actually happening, but the more that you can kind of just erase that and imagine that you're just teaching this camera is a class um, (laughs) that you can like have those little nuances of your personality that come out. And before, like, I don't think I was ever like laughing at all. I was like very, very serious, (laughs) robotic, like, like I just got to teach this class and like, let it be. But the more, as you get more comfortable, you're like laughing at yourself. Like, I don't know. I just, mess that one up but it's fine like let's just keep it rolling because you would do that in a typical class so those little things I think become a little bit more easy as you move as well
3: nice. yeah I, I think the other thing that was the most surprising to me was um, when you go back and you look at your classes or take your classes at uh, your own classes you realize the things that you actually say yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is and the words that you use that you don't even realize that you use and so um it's it's just very uh, I i think that's one of the most unique things about teaching online classes is that it's a very honest appraisal, and I don't mean from a judgment standpoint, but it's what really happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: It gives you some honest like CJ said, the, the film yeah. doesn't lie. It's, yeah. it's giving you a, it's giving you a perspective, a camera lens perspective yeah. of uh, what you're doing out there.
3: And the thing that I am probably the most notorious for and these guys who've all taken my classes know this, is I will in every class, leave something out on one side <laughs> 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 Always. I don't want to, but I can't I do. say always because sometimes <laughs> I don't know. I'm just <laughs> know. going too, Kim. Sometimes I'm
2: in the zone too, and I'm just being led. Yeah. I'm a little yeah, sheet, I know, just
3: cheating. It's,
1: it's so funny because I'll take that co- that class and I'll go, oh, okay. <laughs> but how many times, whenever you offer that one side where you're like in a side angle and you're like lift that bottom arm and like. In normal class, like, you might lift it on the one side, but you forgot it on that second side. I'm not going to be the student that's going to be like, let's overachieve and make sure we get it on the opposite side. But us no, be so, honest. So in a way, it's really fun <laughs> to teach
3: online and be forced to do it because it makes you – I think it really – for me, I feel like it's made me a much better teacher. I can't wait to get back into class again with real people and, um, and uh, just, you know, feel – feel the vibe feel the yeah. vibe yeah. what
0: what uh what kind of preparations uh do y'all have when we're getting into filming some of the online classes and the reason i want to bring this up um was kind of rebounding off something you said earlier cj which was you know finding your own authenticity and i think something that you've kind of went through in your own teaching when you were teaching public classes like hey making sure you had a little bit of space before the class began to like gather yourself mm-hmm. but now that we're doing stuff in this online world uh, one thing I noticed you doing a lot and being really diligent about is like making sure you warm up before class starts because you're just a little bit stiffer, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that's, I think, is true or false. Like, I'm not trying to put words in No, absolutely. I'm just trying to like absolutely. Inquire.
2: If I, I know, especially if I'm going to, sometimes I get the luxury of taking a class and then if I'm a little bit tight, you know, I show the people my real, not the real side. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I ever take, when you take Patrick's class, like, that's how I'm kind of moving. Like, I'm I'm easing. I'm trying to ease into it a little bit more. But it makes me more, <clears throat> excuse me, open for my classes. And I feel that it's just more liberating into your – there's nothing worse than when I was like, oh, man, I wish I was open for kind of doing <laughs> some of the stuff that I was doing. And there's really no reason um, not to be. And it offers, again, a better experience because you're coming from – uh an immediate feedback understanding because you know how that felt just moments ago and you can i feel like you can cue it a little bit more honestly uh being in it so that that's helped me quite a bit and to warm up the muscles for sure and i know you do it
1: yeah just little like cars like things that carling has our little videos uh on our website like she's got tons of pre movement things that take mm-hmm. no more than fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, especially if like you're going into a class or whatever you're limited in. If you're limited in your shoulders more so, or you know that your hips, you know, take a while to warm up, and it's like you do some of these little pre movements, and it's tremendously beneficial. I think as as you approach your practice, if you have the time, for sure. Yeah.
0: I do my cars every every time before yeah, I get on the video. It's Just time. kind of like getting the mic mm-hmm. on, do the shoulders, mm-hmm. do the elbows, do the wrists. It's helpful. I think all those things make a they make a difference in. Uh, when you're recording classes, uh, having your little preparation process to go into it is really helpful because I think it gets you into the right mindset and that will also help you, you know, feel like you're not struggling when you're out there on on the video because I think you're in a better mindset. You know, you're not in this like, oh, this, this kind of rush or this uneven feeling. And even for me, and I, I've obviously recorded a ton of classes, you know, over the last 10 years or whatever, um, like I've tried to record classes that uh, I release weekly on YouTube after sessions in here, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't quite work. And it's like, oh, for whatever reason, the preparation of me teaching a class for commune going into me teaching a class for YouTube, it just doesn't it doesn't align with me. And so, um, being honest with yourself about like, how do you feel creative, or what what helps you when when you are teaching like oh that went well today what what i do before that kind of helped that become a reality like it could be writing notes down Mm -hmm. um if you all see erica's classes she has kind of the notebook by Mm -hmm. the side of the mat a lot carling will do that sometimes too and i think that there's nothing wrong with that just like making sure that you are out there um being able to you know kind of chime in on what everyone said but be authentic and share what you want to share i think is really important
1: yeah our little whiteboard's very helpful sometimes like i don't plan verbatim things but like if I have little points that I know that mm-hmm. I want to hit kind of periodically throughout the class it keeps me kind of on track uh, nice. throughout. For yin,
3: for those people who teach yin classes um, One of the things that I find the, the most helpful is And hopefully it comes through for you guys as well Is that I always go through my classes fully And I am do it not Necessarily for um, uh, You know seeing a sequence but because I know certain sequences work together and because we only do about four to five poses in a yin class but more to make sure that I understand the props and the transition of the props so it doesn't feel too cumbersome and so that's where it's just again one of those little tricks of teaching yin is to understand what's coming up next so that you know what needs to be close by how you you know getting people set up so that those transitions feel as smooth as possible i like it yeah
0: uh speaking of props we actually had a question about props come in which are which is what are the most important props to have blocks blocks
2: i'd say blocks too
0: how many two i like two
2: Because awesome. that's a step forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But you
1: can't, a lot too. One is just even very helpful at times just to extend that one arm in mm-hmm. certain places or yeah. things. If you're going to buy anything,
3: I would say buy blocks. Mm-hmm. And because, but I'll tell you the thing that I find uh, again in yin and restorative classes that is super versatile are blankets. Mm-hmm. Yoga blankets are, are great. If you don't have yoga blankets get something else. But you, the thing is just creating whatever firm support you need at the level you need it. Because sometimes bolsters are either uh, not high enough or too high and mm-hmm. it's just kind of creating that. But if you have to do have one thing after your mat of course would be the blocks mm-hmm. i would
0: even say blocks over mat in my in my reality yeah because i i've yeah, I've, okay. I've never traveled a yoga mat anywhere mm-hmm. i've ever been um. i've never carry one on um because they're so awkward to travel yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, that's doesn't it doesn't and you really, don't want to
2: fold that seems like it'd be you don't want to fold
0: it on. if you roll it up that's your carry-on you know i was living that life where it, uh, when we traveled the only things that you could ever bring with stuff that would fit in a carry on suitcase plus a backpack. So the mat kind of gets booted there.
1: Mm-hmm. And sometimes the mats are heavy.
0: Sometimes the mats are heavy. Oh my God, yeah. I
1: don't want to lug. My shoulders hurt <laughs> lugging it around.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, the, the other thing I would also say about blocks, too, is that pretty much every other prop. You can substitute with something else mm-hmm. like a blanket you have a blanket yes you know or towels um, ta- you know, but, you have, but everyone has a yeah. blanket everyone has a towel everyone has totally. a, a pillow mm-hmm. or Towers a cushion, cushion of some sort right. a chair like you can use all of these different types of things to really support your practice a wall um, all of these things are so available to you um, in one way shape or form or another it may not be fancy or sexy or you know um, you know perfect but it's going to give you relatively what you're looking for, which I think is really nice. Um, whereas the block, it's kind of hard to get, like people say, oh, like put some books together and like, yeah, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't really work because you can't really grip it and who wants to like sweat, have their palms sweaty on a book? <laughs> you know, it's just, that seems kind of goofy um, to me, but I, I, would, I would say blocks. Are there any obscure props that y'all use that you like to use on a regular basis?
2: I don't know if it's obscure, but I like to, uh, I don't do it all the time, but I enjoy warming up with some of the fascial stuff, like the fascial release tools. Yeah, little
3: balls, yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. I love the Dharma wheel. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Dharma. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. Dharma wow. wheel Dharma wheel, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. That's a I was going to say,
0: that would be one. What, what about, even though there's not technically a prop, like a pull-up bar ring? or re- I was going to oh. say, oh, oh, yeah. Those, bar Those would be rings. other yeah. things yeah. that... We have something
1: <laughs> to suspend from, that's... Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So
0: again, while that's not really a yoga prop, mm-hmm. I would say, but just anything you can kind of hang on, I think it's a wonderful counter to a lot mm-hmm. of the work that mm-hmm. we do. And it's also a nice, it's a really good thing for your shoulder health, mm-hmm. I would say. Even if you have no interest in doing any pull-ups whatsoever, just like mm-hmm. working on that static hang, trust me, it'll make a big difference mm-hmm. in your practice. Um, yeah, d- Dharma Wheel's a good winner though. Everyone it really kind is. of chimed in on that mm-hmm. one. Uh, you, and again, there's the original, but if you're a little tighter on the budget, you can get a lot of different ones on, like, some of, Amazon is a place. I know if you don't want to shop on Amazon, I think there's,
2: like, the Yoga Outlet or something yeah. like that. Or. Yeah. Funny story about them. Uh, I remember one time I ordered one, but I wanted the bigger one, and they sent me a small one. Mm. And I said, hey, I'm sorry, you sent me the wrong size. They didn't say anything back. They just sent me another one, but it was another small one. They sent me four small ones before they finally sent me a big one. And <laughs> they didn't ask for anything back. They just kept sending them to me. <laughs> so maybe you get <laughs> lucky like that did.
1: You received these? Did you did you have some lucky winners, or did you sell them, or?
2: I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I gave Rob one. Yeah. Uh, I gave some. Uh, like I think Laurel had gave one, her one. Um, and then I think I still have one. Yeah. It's in a it, like, or once back at my home. Oh, I think I gave my dad one. He's never. Touched <laughs> it. Oh my god. <laughs> never touched it. He probably like, what the hell am I gonna do with this thing? <laughs> what else can I use it for? No, you but yeah.
0: Put you know, put it on top of a plate and then put yeah. some food in, yeah. in the layers.
2: Use it as a pseudo bowl. But like you said, there's some interesting ones on the internet. Like yeah. there's some that have like the little fascia release. There's some that are bamboo and titanium and all sorts of maybe not that but i'm going a little extreme (laughs) but you know but it is interesting because
3: you could get into different places Mm -hmm. in in your spine that you just without the support you just it'd be hard to do you'd Mm
0: be a little bit locked up
3: locked up is the word yeah no
0: i I think it's i think it's a nice i think that's a nice additional a nice additional prop what uh what poses in your classes do you all like to use props in the most like, both as a student mm-hmm. and as a teacher.
2: Full splits, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Any type of, like, full splits variation. And I like practicing um, blocks quite a bit. So I try to not necessarily rely on them. Uh, cause I. But I like to interchange them, for sure. But the whole uh, step-through, yeah. for sure.
0: Step-through is crucial. We actually did a lot of that in handstand class this week. So if you were there for that madness, mm. you can...
1: You know, test test to the
0: the step through with Mm -hmm. the block.
1: I like them for like a side angle and triangle and like revolved half moon, things like that. If you're working in for like maybe you're on thigh and you want to go a little step further, but the ground still feels a little far, like you can supplement a block there. And I really like to use it a Mm -hmm. lot there.
3: I actually think that they in those kind of poses, they keep you more honest Mm -hmm. because many of us who practice all the time have the ability to easily like lean down and touch the floor, but that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to sit in those yes, comfort And so places. it's just like, I think it actually makes you be more honest with whatever the intention of the pose is mm-hmm. and because you have a tool that will actually let you feel grounded and mm-hmm. supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like
0: it. What was I think for me, I like, I think one of my favorite places to use props or use blocks, especially, Um, and the other prop I really like is actually using a strap which again could be a belt or a towel or literally anything that resembles that similar shape but uh, I love to use a block in half moon and especially when you're uh, taking the bind there so you're catching the top foot Um, I think that's really nice because it allows you to lean over and kind of roll into some unique space Mm. and then also in dancer's pose I think a strap is so helpful in dancer's (sighs) pose if you're actually trying to work through lines of tension in the body. Um, Oftentimes, especially if y'all take my classes, like when I teach the set or when I teach um, awakening yoga in general, Um, but in dancer's pose, I don't like to cue alignment that much because I don't know if I think it really helps uh, as much in terms of the intention of the posture. I think the physical metaphor of the shape that that you're trying to create, which is, you know, kind of... uh, rooting into your past to lean into your potential, if you will, um, is a bit more powerful and, and letting that be a bit more exploratory or inquisitive is always nice. Um, but if you are actually trying to work in the physic into the physicality of the pose, using the strap is really helpful because you can organize yourself from hips to elbows and you can't really do that if you're just reaching back to catch the foot. There's so many variables that mm-hmm. go into that action and you really begin to move from spaces not saying you wouldn't want to move from, but spaces you don't, you aren't aware that you're moving from, mm-hmm. and so you're um, not to say you're out of control, but you're not truly in control of your the organization of the position.
4: It,
1: oh, oh, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go for it. I was gonna say last one. I was gonna say a supported bridge. I don't know how, and I forgot oh. that it's like one of my favorite <clears throat> postures of all time. so Silva it blocks. <laughs> it's of like all time, it's like, it is. It's just mm-hmm. like the best. You can come to it at any time, and it's mm-hmm. so nice to have your sacrum just feel grounded and supported. Mm-hmm. My low back loves it. I love it. It's we great. do love
2: it after hands dance. Legs
1: at the mm-hmm. wall. It's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, Kim. Go ahead.
3: Oh no, I was just gonna say to follow on dancer. I think the thing that's so interesting about dancer with a strap is I cannot believe how much further because you there's just something about the way it lines you up yeah. and gives you that support that without having to try and make it happen it, I think you can get so deep into it where you it's just very very difficult for unless you were you know previously Cirque du Soleil or a gymnast to get into it.
0: You're just uh, naturally rangy, let's just leave it at that. Yeah. For someone that's naturally rangy. Naturally rangy, yeah. yes.
3: That, mm-hmm. uh, but when you use a strap, all of a sudden, because of the, it's just interesting to me the way the tensions play. Yeah, You really can go into it in a place where it would be hard to go and support it.
0: Yeah. Uh, the reason for that is because no matter who you are, majority of people struggle with hip extension. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like this is this is actually a good little thing for y'all to think about for the week. Um, notice when you're walking around, just walking, and you could do this running, of course, but it's easier to to feel it when you're walking. Walk forwards and walk backwards. And if you have a mirror, you can see yourself walk. Just try to notice or maybe you can catch your reflection on like the the window of a store as you're walking down the street or something. and see if you ever go into hip extension. Ever. Most people don't. Most people just tilt their front hip point slightly forward, Mm. and that's where they move from. So they're never actually in hip extension. They're only in minor forms of hip flexion. Mm. And so that's really... Um, and so that's the pattern you most naturally live in. Like no matter how much yoga you do, you, you automatically walk more, Mm -hmm. right? Automatically. Um, so being able to really become aware of that is going to, you know, help you understand that's why walking backwards is so important because it actually allows you to get into hip extension. It kind of forces it. Um, and so when you're using the strap, uh, in dancer's pose, circling that all the way back around, uh, you're. Elbows are up to the sky, and so you have this line of tension that really moves from your knee up to your elbows. Um, Of course, the standing leg is grounded, and then the tension would move from the the lifted leg knee up through really both elbows. But that allows you to organize the space, and automatically, you're going to move in towards your version of... um, hip extension directly. And Mm -hmm. so that all of a sudden is going to change the way you move through the spine, because you're not just going to move through the space where you have some level of movement. Uh, Our bodies are designed to to be efficient and they move efficiently. And so if you're requesting something of your body, it's going to do it in the way that, the easiest way possible, unless you're really particular and request something else. And so uh, giving yourself the opportunity to be like, oh, this is what I do, or this is where I move from. Is this where I'm trying to move from? Beginning to ask that question, I think is really interesting. It's really um, important if you're interested in evolving the physical aspect of the practice, but also really the mental side too, because that awareness is a deeper level of mindfulness and connection, whether your pose ever quote, unquote, improves or not. Just being aware of what you do is, I think, so important.
1: Yeah, like you said, it just gets you out of your... For me, I can deal with a little bit of compression in the low spine. So the more that I can use a strap and actually kick my foot into it to get into that hip extension, it relieves a little bit of that pressure as well. I think I can reorient my own body in a way.
0: Have a good good organization. Mm -hmm. Then you can Uh actually work into that hip extension. Exactly. You can kick your foot over your head. Exactly, one of (laughs) these
1: days.
0: (laughs) You can do that anyways
1: catch
0: my foot yet? No, I'm, when I'm you're just doing try. your leg circles. Oh yeah, I can do that. CJ <laughs> super, I C- CJ no, super I always super jealous to those do leg that. circles. Dude. No, my knee is bent when it circles. <laughs> <laughs> always. I'm trying to
2: kick
1: this guy, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, dude, that foot is up there. Um, all right. Just because we're actually talking about, um, physical body stuff right now, how do you deal with insecurities in your practice and your teaching? So let's start with practice. Mm-hmm. Anyone want to jump onto that
2: one? Uh, I can Um, I think it's one of those things that everyone has little imbalances in their own body and little things that make them you and for me it's my right elbow and it's one of those things that uh, I had injuries when I was growing up playing sports in high school and I never got uh, it really cleaned out of the scar tissue so it never really straightens all the way and it's gotten tremendously better um, but it was really bad. Dude, it has, it used to, mm-hmm. when I first met bad. you, it was like a little chicken wing. And then I, in the sports that I played, um, I threw with my right hand. And so I have just this complete twisting imbalance as well. And just shoulder imbalance My, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you start to really become more and more mindful of these and, I don't know, my mindset started to switch instead of, oh, this is an insecurity. Like, oh, this is just fucking, this is me. Mm -hmm. And let's be my best self. And it's actually made my practice more fun because I'm really able to tap into, and, and teaching more fun because I'm able to tap into, oh, this is how it feels in my body. And I kind of stay within that, I guess. And that's been really helpful for me to redirect automatically into an insecurity into, Oh, this is, you know, this is part of me. It can always grow and get better, but how much time, effort and energy do I want to spend working on things and what's important to me? So,
1: yeah. yeah, I like the, I like the cue of like eliminating the verbiage of insecurity and switching it with like, Oh, this is just maybe my own limitation, but it's not even the limitation. It's just your own awareness of kind of just where you're beginning or where you are in your own practice. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think of just insecurities in my own practice and mine's my left leg. It does its own thing all the time. <laughs> no, like in everything, we're moving from just a lunge to, to Warrior 3 or to anything. It just doesn't do what I'm thinking it's doing. It's like, and I watch it on film. I'm like, oh, it's that thing. It's like, what are you saying you're doing, but what you're actually doing? And it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, so it's just a whole new mindfulness that you just kind of have to approach to it and Don't be hard on yourself for having these limitations or insecurities, because we all do, everyone does. We have our own paths of lives that we've walked and we've cultivated just the own sense of our bodies and um, most of us have one way that we love to do things and one way that we don't it's like <laughs> learning handstand like i knew when i learned handstands like i was using the one leg i use my right leg every single time so kicking up with my left I, it feels wonky and weird so you just constantly come back and work at it and maybe give it a little extra attention sometimes than the other side that's what <laughs> i have to think of is like giving a little bit more mindfulness and attention to that side because it isn't no two things are the same so uh, that's kind of how I play with it in my practice. I
3: like yeah. it. That's true. Um, I've, God, my yoga road's been really long. Uh, I have a lot of other sports injuries, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I work with uh, <laughs> bone on bone in my left knee that will never get better because it's partly H. And, um, but what I have been able to do um, is with... Again, that word we keep coming back to, every single one of you said it, mindfulness. Becoming aware and mindful of whats what you're doing when it feels good and what you're doing when you're like, oh, that wasn't good, is really important because then what you can do is do further research on what you need to strengthen, what poses work better, maybe there's a modification that you learn to work into uh, vinyasa practice. I know we all wanna do vinyasa in flow, and I think that's one of the super fun things about being online versus in class, because you can, in the same time, create a flow that's a little bit different, that works better in your body, whether it be injuries or just the way your body is, unless you're trying to work to something else, but where you're still in the flow. You're you still know? in your groove. You're still mm-hmm. in the flow, and in the timing and in all of that. And that's one of the things in the general strength and the, and the um, general um, uh, yoga classes that I try and do is switch up how moving forward and just some different things from class to class so that you can try and understand there's lots of ways to get to the front and back of your mat, mm-hmm. lots of ways.
0: I think that makes it really helpful too because you're so often the common consciousness around what uh, vinyasa class is, down dog to, lun- to some lunging position to push up to up dog. Right? That's mm-hmm. such a big theme of it. Mm-hmm. but um beginning to understand that there's many different routes they can take and i think everyone really embraces that in a lot of different ways in our classes and i think that's really cool um because it gives you um a different take on everything as opposed to trying to fit everybody into the same take on Mm -hmm. one thing which is really nice uh for me with insecurities in the practice i really just embrace them uh, Mm um to be honest with you because i i I think they're funny more than anything else at this point i don't really um I, i kind of am who i am and and that is that is what it is and there's uh, I know what it takes to to further areas where I maybe am deficient um, but I have to ask myself every single day does that really matter to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the reason I do is because it, I'm the only person that it matters to. It. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no. like, like, like really, uh, there's certain things that, especially since my injury, that I really want to get back to. And the main reason that I really want to get back to them is because they help me connect other things together. But it's not like penultimate positions or anything like that. It's not really of interest to me. Um, because it's... It, for my physicality... This is kind of funny. So when I first started practicing... Um, I was really 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 stiff but I could do handstand very quickly um, and I was I had no fear of going upside down I could do handstand very quickly and I would do handstand in vinyasa and this was before it was a thing yes. right? This is very much before it was like now it's such a very much a thing you can you can hear about it or do it in, in many classes pretty much everywhere and so uh, but before this time, I would go and you know, do hands Minyasa. and like teachers would look at me weird, and like some people would kick me out of class, and that just was what it was, um, which is fine. Um, you know, no hard feelings towards that anymore. But at the time, I was really weirded out because uh, yoga was supposed to be this very inclusive thing or open ended thing, and, and it wasn't for these teachers, which is okay. That's their game. Um, but at that time, that was like literally the only thing in my practice that I could do. In any way, shape, or form, like when I would try to do triangle pose, my toes would either come off the floor or my knee would be bent. Like that just was the position. Or, um, you know, when I would do pigeon pose, I'd pretty much be falling off to the other side of the (laughs) mat. You know what I'm saying? Like there was just no, I I couldn't get the my, you know, front leg hip anywhere close to the floor. Like so, you know, and people would ask me, oh wow, that was so cool that you did that Hanson. I was like you see like me do anything else because <laughs> <laughs> it was like grade a grade a disaster like it wasn't it was nothing to write home about um but you know is it it what people saw and 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 were interested in our appeal or because they you know they probably were so used to seeing other people do other poses you know beautifully and fluidly um and like, I remember at this one studio we were be practicing at, at the time, uh, sometimes the teachers would like work on handstands and so other, they would like have these little wall drills but I would just be in the middle of the room doing my handstands. So maybe that would, you know, people would see that more or something mm-hmm. like that. But um, but it's, it's, it just shows you that like, we all have a natural predisposition to things and, and we all also feel, um, you know, interesting ways about, or we all know, excuse me, the details of our own journey. Right, like you would never, look at Shelby and be like, Whoa, she's insecure about jumping off her left foot in the handstand? You know what I'm saying? You would never think about uh, that. You've seen Shelby mm-hmm. handstand a ton of times. And but I mean I've never even thought that until mm-hmm. she said it right in that moment. It's was like, Oh, you're a right foot jumper. Who mm-hmm. knew? You know? <laughs> but I'd prefer right is right it in foot? forearm
2: stand too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even think I ever. I can't even <laughs> tell you like, the last time I honestly kicked up
1: uh, with my left foot grounded. Mm-hmm. Wow, because well. right, I instantly t- I'm off kilter. It just doesn't work yeah. the same. You know, I'm next like, vinyasa
2: ah. class, gonna you know, be forearm stand, yeah, left foot right. I mean, two <laughs> options because
1: if I only get that one option. I'm only hopping off that right foot. <laughs> uh.
0: Yeah, but but again, honestly, I really think that you know your your physicality is your physicality, and there's certain areas for all of us where you will make improvements steadily and dr- and sometimes dramatically and that's awesome and then there's some areas that you could spend you know night and day and night and day working into them and you know that hey if you really want to get into that range you're going to have to like wake up at this time and eat this thing and practice this time and then practice this time and then eat this thing and then drink this thing and then Mm -hmm. eat this time and then rest this time. It's so militant. And again, if that's something that's really important to you or you need that in your life, then I think it's wonderful. And I think it's really helpful. But... If it's if that you don't need that type of scheduling or that type of control i think you know being committed to your practice and finding what you really enjoy and what you really love about it is what helps the insecurities go away like i really love putting pieces together mm-hmm. and and that's what i enjoy most about um, movement in general it's not being able to do a finishing shape and so as long as I can continue to put pieces together, I'm having fun. I'm living in my mm-hmm. space, and then I'm not really insecure about mm-hmm. that, no
2: matter what it comes out to look like. Because then it's more of an artistic form. It's, it's, it's just, nice just like, is like my hey, this exactly. yeah, You know what I mean? And then, and then that's all that it ever will be. Yeah.
0: You know, and I think I think it it allows there to be, you know. My own, my own little cruisiness, if you will, to, to the offering.
1: I think that translates, though, into your insecurities of teaching, too. It's like, what is your ultimate go for why you want to teach? Yeah. If you're insecure about all these things, like those will naturally kind of weed themselves out, especially if you are filming online, you get to see all these, <laughs> these insecurities be brought to light. But ultimately, like, why do you come to teach? It's because you either love to share the movement or you you need to have this niche for it. So you can't let the insecurities be like, okay, I'm never going to, because if I let the insecurities, I probably wouldn't be here right now uh, mm-hmm. teaching today uh, if I really let them eat me up and alive because it was a rough journey but um (laughs) we're here and we're making it and i think you just have to keep powering through because ultimately you love sharing the practice uh, with others
0: yeah i think that's a really nice thing to to state when it comes to insecurities about teaching because everybody has them Mm -hmm. and if if they don't have them anymore they definitely had them at some point or in one certain situations like i think there's uh, a a funny story that i think we um that's in- interesting to kind of tell is, like, last March or April when we first put this set on the schedule for the online, um, for the online studio, it was, CJ had was said something going on like I think you have maybe had like a leg infection or something like that, oh, yeah. and oh, then me. and then Carling had Harvey and so it was like Shelby and oh, I were just like yeah. running classes <laughs> and. Uh, it was Shelby's day to teach the set, and the first time you ever taught the set, you taught it to me, yeah, which, is
1: absurd, which is such an absurd thing. I was absurd like, what's up, thing. y'all? I'm here with the creator, him. Let's just see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> here we are, one month in filming, and I am nervous. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: like I was how many takes thing. did you have? I but don't remember. Good, I think besides I, the opening.
1: Yeah, the opening, I probably sure. had like eight. I think I was like, man, run it back. Here's eight <laughs> right here. Oh, we're going we're gonna to get it right this time. I swear it. <laughs> Oh, talk about pressure. I was nervous. And then you look back and just think how oh, silly
3: No,
0: Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. and then you, you, you get it's through, fun. again, uh, some of those situations, and I didn't even think about it. That's the funniest thing. was like <laughs> I, I didn't give it a, I was like, oh, should I be teaching the set? Cool. Like, I'm going to be in there, you know, doing it. Like, I didn't ever think, like, this is a test. <laughs> yeah, there's, the, there's nothing about it from my end. I, he I like, a book and like, yeah. <laughs> I honestly didn't even think, like, think about it until like, afterwards. I was like, oh, you taught me the set. Oh, wait, how many
1: circle oh, chairs? I don't know. where are we going? where's this piece i'm not right, sure oh, right
2: right foot or left yeah. foot here
1: yeah. <laughs> can i pause real quick reflect yeah. on the notes no. <laughs>
0: yeah but I, th- I think there's such an evolution to the process um for all of us and mm-hmm. so the more um just kind of getting out there i think helps you mm-hmm. feel comfortable mm-hmm. um i mean see you probably taught in more local studios i mean the i say this all the time, but CJ got into places that were giving me the coldest of cold shoulders when I was teaching here. Like when you were teaching at a bunch of different studios. I don't think a lot studios. of them didn't know our times either. <laughs> <laughs> um, what uh, did you ever feel like insecure when you were going from place to place and moving into different communities in a local level?
2: Uh, I think I've always felt comfortable um, up in front of people and talking to people and connecting with people. So... I think any nervousness of yeah maybe sometimes I was nervous on especially as a new instructor offering my sequence because I was still learning but being in front of people I mean I can bullshit with the best of them so like (laughs) I can lead through people (laughs) through something for an hour like so I was never I was never that was never um, like butterflies to me I, I, I always felt comfortable being in front of a room and I think uh especially taking you and carling so early uh, and you can attest to it too i'm Mm -hmm. sure you both can but you guys are so good at seizing the room very early and to where it's like oh i'm in a safe space and i don't know what the fuck we're gonna do but i trust you and so that was very important to me Mm -hmm. growing as a teacher is um finding finding that trust and 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 again just owning who you are so Mm uh but uh, I didn't really have, I just would go in and try to just charm people and <laughs> <laughs> smile. You give them and... that Southern charm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the same type of person. This actually works. I know this is a complete side topic real quick, but if you need to get over and you're driving in your car and oh someone's God, not going go, to let you go, if you will roll down your window, it's work for me every time. And you just politely wave and just go, hey, I need to get in right there. No one has ever, no matter how mad they are, no one's going to look at you and be like, no, I've never had that happen. Everyone's been like, yeah, go ahead. But, so, this is the
3: only yoga podcast with a few driving tips. So that's a driving tip. But <laughs> other than that, other
2: than that, uh, oh again, God. be yourself because there's, mm-hmm. Like,
3: honestly, that's all you
2: have to offer. He
0: does that in the car all the time. It's yeah, <laughs> oh very God. true.
2: <laughs> or, and if I'm not driving, I'm like, hey, roll, yeah, roll your window. Yeah, the backseat driver,
1: he's <laughs> like, hey, roll on your window and wave. Roll on your window and wave. It works. I'm like, I know. You do it. You're in the backseat. Wave me over then.
2: <laughs> because Seattle's very confusing driving. It took me a while that. to find the, a lot of one-ways. A lot of one-ways.
0: <laughs> it's mm-hmm. different. But not, not as much freeway mm-hmm. as, no. that, as that Southern mm-hmm. life.
1: And, and Oklahoma, it's very much a grid. It's like left, right, left, right, left, right. There are no one ways. And here I was yeah, turning in circles. Way, I'm going diagonally right. across the th- intersection. I'm like, wait, where, where Where do I go? Do I go that way or that way? <laughs> I remember I. I, I remember going I going call, no
2: you way. called me one time from Green Lake, and you were like, dude, I, I, I think I'm in some place called fucking Tangle Town. <laughs> <laughs> I was. She was like, I don't know where I'm Because it's like at, Siri's dude. trying to
1: like <laughs> – Trying to redirect you, and all it's of a sudden we're blocks from here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and three blocks from you live. It
4: is
1: true, but like you go one wrong way, and Siri's like rerouting. Ten minutes has now been acted. I'm like, well, how do I get ten minutes out of my trip? i like, if you tail. have to go all the way
2: down Tindle around, like, you got oh caught in that maze, God. dude. God. But anyways, be yourself yeah. and and own you because they. I I say this quote all the time, and I can't even remember where I heard it, so I can't even give credit, but uh, someone would rather have someone you be real than right. So you don't always have to be right or perfect, but just be real.
0: Mm -hmm. No matter who you are, you're not going to be for everyone, but you are for someone. Mm -hmm. Yes, and
2: embrace those people. Those are the people that you want coming to your classes and learning from you because they're the ones that are excited. They get you excited, and that's when it's really fun to teach. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree. All right, last question of the day. Are y'all ready for it? Ready. ready. Cool. Uh, what sports do you like that complement your practice? So what things are you currently doing? Maybe what things do you feel? Uh-huh. And then also, like, what, what things do you feel are complemented by yoga as well? So, like, on a personal level and then also on a broad level uh-huh. for you. Anyone want to chime in? Kick it off?
2: You want to go first? Uh. I feel like you do more things than I do.
1: I mean, I do now, currently. I've just joined this little group called the Movement Guild, so I'm doing more strength training again, uh, which I haven't done in about a year. So uh, it's very challenging, but it's very much complimentary because in yoga we just do body weight movements. And although those are wonderful and they're easy to maintain for an extended amount of time for the rest of your life, like you can move your body, but um, it's nice to kind of add either weight or reorient. and so. I personally love using resistance bands or weights or things just to kind of tune up my body, get it more strong in certain areas because you know yoga you can also move. If you're R rangey, I move into places really easy sometimes. oh sorry I just said that. <laughs> but I move into range is really easy so learning kind of how to re- reel back the reins. Um, is very helpful to do a little bit of like resistance and weight training. I love to do it in a very I mean small but in controlled settings. Um, but it's not really a sport. <laughs> I'd say it's not necessarily a sport. I not ESPN's
0: love not there. playing Resistant Band <laughs> Final Four there
1: 2021.
0: No, they're not, no. They're not creating a bubble mm-hmm. for the Resistance Band no, playoffs. No, they're
1: not. And they're, like you talk about track or anything, I'm not a runner. I don't bike. I don't do any anything else well, like Well, we were in the hills. So. You
0: got those fast little feet. I do have questions. Do you remember Ch- this Ch- summer when we told that dude who was watching us run up the hills that Shelby was an Olympian who we were training I did.
2: If we autograph. see him, we'll have to be like, man, postpone. So <laughs> yeah. next time, she's still she's still training. Uh, I would say I would say for me, um, I think I enjoy doing quite a bit of things. I had a sports background. I played football in uh, college, and then I, I played uh, multiple sports in high school. So that was always for me. I always was involved with some sort of weightlifting or calisthenic. And um, I kind of got burnt out of that a little bit, and so I dipped into a lot of other things, running. I cycled a little bit. Um, never really got into swimming because I'm not a great swimmer.
0: Did you get deep into enough to the cycling to wear the cycling outfit? Like, Dude, like could, straight you wear, up, could you wear big gym cycling outfits and so, pull that
2: off? So, straight up, so, uh, I had my friend Ross and his wife, uh, they were in a, like, a couple's... Ironman or half Mm Ironman and half Iron, full Ironman. I was like, wow, that's a double of what we just did. (laughs) Shit. Um, But uh, her bike, uh, something happened to her bike. And it was like the day or two before the race. And they're like, dude, we can't win, but they won't even let us compete if we don't enter. I don't know, some weird rule. And I was like, okay, I have a bike. And so I did this half Ironman bike, but I was in... Uh, cargo shorts, vans, That's and a skate say. helmet. But, little, dude, I got a rash.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: that was not fun, not at all. Uh, and then I found out that, like, there's pads in the pants that would have been super <laughs> helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I think with anything, no matter what you dabble in, whatever you do um, – Finding a balance of the purpose kind of goes back to what you say. If you you just did yoga all the time, you would lose out on other explorations of movement that you would maybe be interested in. And so um, I think that there are so many things that are complementary. And finding that balance for you um, is going to be a little bit different for everyone. But do something you enjoy. If you don't if you hate it you're just not going to do it. I've tried it. so yeah. many things to where it's like if you're not gonna, if you absolutely hate swimming cuz I try I tried swimming we had the Chesapeake, the old place I used to work at. We had a pool, and I saw this one guy go in all the time. Just, I'm like, I could be like, we'll call him Gary. I said, like, I can be Gary. Like, Gary and I could swim laps. Seems like a cool <laughs> dude. He could not swim laps. Dude. He's
3: got this whole fantasy built Yeah. He Gary. Oh,
2: dude. <laughs> no, first off, he doesn't use floaties or fins. Um, <laughs> But no, it just I wasn't for me. Battle. It mm-hmm. just wasn't for me. I couldn't do it. I hated doing it. it, it I didn't connect with it. And so I, I gave it up very quickly and I just got frustrated. So finding your balance, finding things that complement what you're trying to achieve more mm-hmm. than anything and it, kind of knowing that maybe is your first step. So if you're like, oh, I don't know what I want. Well, maybe think about do I want strength? Do I want to build on work towards something? So having goals and uh, that type of ambition in mind, I think is helpful as well.
3: For me, it's pretty simple. Um, I used to do, in in my uh, 20s, 30s, and 40s, I used to do a lot of running and did a lot of marathoning kind of stuff, and that's where I, it wasn't necessarily good for my body. Um, But uh, I cycle a lot now, and um, the thing that I would say about having something else that's completely different than yoga is that um, that does provide that uh, real sense of workout, is that um, I love my yoga practice more. Because I have something else that um, many times that is providing, whether it's cardio or whatever, whatever. So if I'm coming into a yoga class, I can just come into that yoga class and either get my butt kicked if I want, but I also can come into a yoga cl- class and just enjoy it um, for the experience of it, whatever it is. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a one. I think that's a wonderful point.
0: Mm-hmm. I I think that. Um, one thing that everyone seems to like to do right now is want one thing to be everything. Uh, yeah, and Rich. it's not that's not a realistic expectation for literally anything. And I also think that uh, disappointingly, disappointingly, um, and probably now also because of quarantine, we probably do that to people a little bit too. kind of it's a bit forced because you're like, one person has to be so many fill so many different roles for you in this kind of current time, um which is really tough. but, when you're, that's I guess that's a topic for a different podcast, um, mm-hmm. but uh, when you're thinking about movement or yoga or working out or whatever you wanna call it, no two things are the same, right? Like, you could be in phenomenal shape, run a marathon, come and try to do a yoga class, get starched, mm-hmm. you know? You could be able to do yoga for four straight hours at a high intensity level, Go try to run two miles. Get starched. i like had both of those exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just think that there's mm-hmm. no, there isn't really a, a direct crossover to many things, but there is a supplementation to many things, and um, it's it's good to know what you like to do, just as CJ said, because I think that whatever you like to do is going that. You will continue to do that, and that's going to be good for your health long term. So not only is do you find joy in the activity, but is the activity, um, you know, achievable for a longer period of time? Because some activities just aren't, and and that's okay. Um, Running, yeah, I, I, obviously. I, to be honest, even when you say, are like, football? Like, yeah. could you Fo- could you imagine <laughs> could you imagine going and playing like even flag football? At, Dude, the I
2: remember. Week? I remember. I got like. I think it was like the quote unquote like the ten year reunion or something like that. Some of some of my old high school buddies were I, on like message threads like they were gonna go like go back and play like an alumni game. We're like, Fuck that! Like are you kidding me? I'm not trying to get hit anymore. Yeah, like, that's, that's what no. be like
0: like getting tackled, you know, and getting hit all the time as you don't even as want you play get touch older. Football. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I I watch a lot of. Um, a lot of UFC and MMA stuff um, because I think it's such an interesting headspace to be in and the movement is interesting and I'm really intrigued by the activity of it. But when you, there's a truth to this, that you're watching a sport and you're watching competition, but you're also watching like physical violence, right, in in many ways. And there's a reality to that, right? And like, you just can't get hit forever. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you just... You just can't do it I mean there's so many um, we all strive to for that uh, you know LeBron James Tom Brady greatness forever type vibe I mean those dudes make things look so simple um, you know even it, playing at the highest levels you know throughout their entire careers and even to later ages but there's there's something to be said for again finding joy in your process and, and continuing to um, be in something that, that really works for you and then also you know getting into other areas Where you, so you don't have to try to make your yoga practice be everything, be Mm -hmm. everything or be like, oh, I really need a physical challenge where I want to sweat a ton. Okay. In my yoga practice today, I'm really going to amp up these sun salutations and completely forget about the skill portion of Mm -hmm. them. Uh, and, and that's something that I've actually learned or just not, not learned, but been reminded of recently. Um, with getting on the Peloton, which if you want to come race me, <laughs> search the name Patrick Beach, you'll find me. I currently can't stand up yet in the bike, but, you know, I'm coming for you. Don't worry about it. But, uh, sitting in the saddle. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in the saddle. But uh, I, I really enjoy it, and it's, just, it's totally Carling's thing. She's the one who got it, um, and, you right. know, she loves it, brings her a lot of joy. Um, but for me, it's just really nice because it's something that I can do with my legs, which feel... So neglected as part of my reality right now in a physical way um, that isn't skill based. Like so much of the movement that um, that I really enjoy doing um, has such a complex skill level that no, even though it's tiring and you're getting stronger doing it, it's hard to say it's a workout. Do you know what I mean there's more a, there, mental it's tired? More, no, I mean, dude, come do floor day with us. Your yeah. legs will feel like they're gonna fall off. Yeah. But, but uh, oh, I, I hear about it.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah come, come feel that those legs feel like they're gonna fall off. But I, 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 it's just you're not going at pace. And for speed and for distance. You're going for, when we're doing the floor stuff, we're going for precision and everything mm-hmm. being, there's a speed to it, but it's not like a sprint. You know what I mean? It's like a mm-hmm. control. And,
2: and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I've seen the videos. They're like a minute and a half each. They get one, long. They get yeah, long. They so it's not like it's not like get. a 14, 15 second thing. No. It's,
0: you got to put those moves together. You got to bring those combos to the table. Um, do y'all wish when you were playing sports, because I, I think about this all the time, I was like, oh, I wish we actually did, like, hip mobility stuff, back when I was playing basketball, it would have been so helpful, like, you see, I, I see so many, um, pro athletes, and again, if you're listening to this podcast, you can holler at us, I can help you with your defensive stance, because, if you play <laughs> basketball, a lot of y'all don't sit low enough, that's yeah. part of the problem, like, I think about this all the time, like, oh, we didn't do any hit mobility stuff, in, in sport, and it's like, that would really help for accessing those low spaces without mm-hmm. putting pressure on your lower back mm-hmm. which I think would have been so helpful
2: I would have said for my position playing uh, in sports mine was more technical yeah. so I wish I would have had uh, if I could have worked instead of going to work out with a conditioning coach go work with a position coach yeah. and like get more of that type of of a uh, vibe with things, but I mean, I remember doing the hurdles warm up and like, and I'm like, what, man, they suck. Like, no one <laughs> wanted to do. I don't know if yeah, you those track hurdles. Yeah. Like they would have us do sometimes, but like, man, they should be do Kids should be those track hurdles. Like all that hip mobility stuff. Like should be.
0: Like everyone should every, be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You taught uh, yoga to high school football team, didn't you? I did,
1: I did. And it was so interesting. Keeping their attention was really the hardest part. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Like being in a room with 40 little kids or young, I guess, young kids. They're 15. They're ranging from 14 to 18. uh, And they were about, yeah, about 40 of them. And so some of them would be in the back, uh, like piddling with his friend, like hitting each other, just like, you know, typical boys, teenage boys doing their thing. And then some in the very front row would be like, like they're high athletes like he was the quarterback or the running back like the key sp- players of the sports and they'd be really focused and they were like wow and they're like i've noticed so much difference in my you know my run or my squad or this that or whatever just because uh, they took a little bit of time just for a little stretching because some of I watched their workouts and I'm like, what in the heck is going on? You know, it's <laughs> like, you see them just moving these weights around, slinging them left and right. And I'm like, you're just setting them up to get hurt. Um, so it was just a moment for me to kind of ring them back in and know that you can be gentle to your body as well. And it's really important for the longevity of your life. Football's not going to be forever. And, uh, yeah, it was a super interesting experience for sure <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: alright Joe. Mm-hmm. um, Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, we hope you have an amazing rest of your weekend. Because again, it's coming out tomorrow. So Thursday. Uh, you have Shelby's Functional Freedom coming your way on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so enjoy that. And uh yeah, normal schedule besides that. So we'll see you on the mat. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your week, y'all. Peace.